All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Cinnabums. Um, we're actually starting a new series today uh, in the new year. Um, this is something I actually wanted to do for a while, not even like in podcast form, just in my life, which was to go through each decade and find out like what's what are the best films and kind of get a collective consensus about that. Um, and so what we're going to do each month is we're going to go through each decade, starting with the 1950s and go all the way to the 2010s. Um, obviously not the 2020s because we don't have a full decade to work with there. Um, I mean, unless you all want to, if you have an argument for like, any, I don't know, power of the dog or something. Um, we could do like a so, so far, maybe not like concrete, but what we love. So yeah, far. Like, yeah, so far it wasn't bad. That's a good idea. Yeah, just to get a little and then come back eight years later and finish it off. Yeah, exactly. Um, come full circle. Um, but yeah, I got Carlos and I got Blair to do all these with me. And thank you guys for going on this journey. I really appreciate it. <laughs> Absolutely, dude. Oh. I'm honored as usual. I love being here. Yeah. I mean, look at all those criterions behind Carlos. He's got encyclopedic <laughs> knowledge of of classic <laughs> cinema clearly um yeah it's gonna be a lot of fun um before we explain the rules um and kind of how this is going to work and how we're going to deliberate on the best films of the 1950s uh what have y'all seen lately that you liked like scroll through your letterbox you know what comes to mind lately I... oh go ahead i'm sorry nope go ahead um so just the other day, I was lucky enough to catch a gorgeous 35 millimeter showing of um, Buffalo 66 in oh, at, yeah, the, at the plaza. And that was, uh, funnily enough, one of my favorite new the- theater experiences. Like, that was incredible. Yeah. Love that movie. That's awesome. I also freaking love that movie to death. I mean, that's honestly one of the better, like, final 10 minutes of a movie i've seen like in recent memory <laughs> dude the ending is yeah. so satisfying it felt like i was on a high just because of how good the yeah. ending was and i absolutely love that song that's used by the band yes like mm-hmm. the fact that like i already love that song to death so to see it being used in a film in such like a creative way like that it was just so satisfying i agree that was like one of the that might be one of my like favorite uses of a song in film and i'm like not even like a huge yes fan but that was just beautiful the way they used it totally that that movie is a collected like three or four scenes that are like all timers for me like i always look back to obviously the bowling alley sequence where the tap dancing with christina ricci is like just hauntingly beautiful stuff um really visually just on another level um and then there's stuff like the phone booth when they kind of like they have like their little, little spat in the phone booth. <laughs> it's like spanning time. It's like spanning time. <laughs> so fucking funny. I know. Um, I was such like an amazing like meet cute in a way because they kind of profess their love for each other in like the most perverse way possible, and it's so it's done so well. Um, and like obviously, Vince Gallo is a kind of a is a crazy motherfucker, but that movie is. is it works lot. though. He he yeah. he yeah. made something that really fucking works. It's so crazy. It is, yeah. It's it's one of the best films of the '90s. Teaser to our <laughs> '90s episode in within four months. But yeah, no, that's a great one. I'm jealous you saw that. Uh, did you say it was 35 millimeter? Yeah, it was a 35 millimeter print. Fuck, man, that's awesome. It was so good. So I wanted to bring that up really quick. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Carlos, what about you? Um. So recently, I watched In the Mood for Love in 35 millimeter, which was 
pretty rad. Damn. That was my first uh, 35 uh, millimeter screening ever. So that was really cool. Uh, obviously, such a beautifully masterful film. Audience was kind of annoying, but I mean, it was still an experience. So, um, yeah, I mean, it wasn't that bad. They were just laughing a lot, like really hard at a lot of stuff. I'm like, what the hell's so funny about this movie? <laughs> In the mood for um, love? Like, what yeah, could possibly. That's so like... weird. I don't know, but like I remember when I watched it the first time, I was like, I don't remember laughing like ever in this movie. And for some no. reason, the audience was just found so mid- like the most subtle attempts at humor, they would laugh out loud like it's a punchline. I was like, okay, this is really extra. I don't know why, but um, so yeah. Beyond that, um, recently, um, I also watched Godland with Blair uh, with Eric. Um, that was an amazing screening. It wasn't there wasn't that many people in there. And it was on the big screen and that film all around is so masterful. Um, yeah, I know, I know that Eric really likes it too. So. Oh, yeah. Godland is one of the best of this decade. Again, again, spoiler alert, but God, it's so yeah. good. Yeah. That's the a, Icelandic film, right? That came out last basically, year. Basically. Yeah. It's like Danish slash Icelandic, I believe. Yep. It's like simultaneously both. It's even like a yeah. thing in the movie where they trudge both. Yeah. The whole like, danish and icelandic thing is like a central theme to the film so um but yeah it's it's honestly one of the most authentic pieces of cinema i've seen like in a very long time like there's not a single element of that film that feels like it's just a movie and it's just because of how everything is directed and how everything is shot not only like the landscape but just like how the actors are directed um just these really long take sequences that feel incredibly real um yeah i can't i like I can't recommend Godland enough. Like that film needs to have more exposure. It's incredible. So is that um, did that premiere like Cannes last year? Is that like technically a 2023 release? Because I, I yeah. haven't heard about it yet. Actually, it released it released in festivals in 2022, but like it, it's getting like a very limited theatrical release like now. So yeah, um, basically, yeah, but, I, yeah. Besides Godland, I watched. Um, uh silenced which is a korean film um we watched that for the discord because uh, this week in the discord we had a everybody had to pick the most fucked up movie to bring to the table <laughs> and i picked silenced because it's a really fucked up movie because it has to do with like molestation of kids that were go- that went to this um um hard of hearing school basically they were like they had like a they're basically all deaf children and there was like this big bust that happened where like the authorities were caught like sexually molesting the kids and everything. Um, you know, it's an, it's a horrific subject, but like the film, the, I mean, it's a fucked up movie, but the film actually like changed laws and shit. Like it, it gave that issue a lot of exposure when pe- people really didn't care about it or didn't even know about it. Cause it was kind of buried. And after that film came out, like it was a huge thing in the country. So um yeah, I mean, it's a very graphic, super graphic movie. I mean, it really goes all the way with like depicting these crimes and these horrible things that happen to children. But, um, you know, it's kind of necessary in a way uh, because, you know, you kind of hear about it. Like you always hear that word being thrown out, you know, about children being abused in that way. But like, you know, for a lot of people, I think to actually see it in that way, I think really gets the point across in the way that it should. And also, I think depicting it in the way that it did um i think had a huge hand in like really bringing awareness to this issue in the way that it did i think if it kind of went soft with it it probably wouldn't have blown the thing up the way that it did but um wow yeah, anyway kind of went kind of long on that one but yeah uh, no, no. 
Definitely. I, I mean, I recommend that film. I think it's really, really great. Uh, but definitely like only only when you're ready, because I'm telling you, it, it's very unforgiving with how it shows everything. But yeah. gotcha. Well, I didn't know that was the same director he, that worked on Squid Game. Squid Game. Yeah. yeah. Squid Games, dude. Yeah. Wow. Interesting. Um, yeah. I enjoyed that show. I'll have to. I'm sure it's nothing like Squid Game, but I'll definitely have to. <laughs> that seems like a very vital movie to our it's culture. Inter- so it's interesting because Squid Game is like fucked up but in a fucked up but like fucked up in a way that like people in mass can obviously like consume yeah it's a game yeah it's like a game dealing with like capitalism and people's lives but it's so weird to me when people like don't see the themes they're just yeah. oh oh game where you lose life you lose your life or win money how crazy <laughs> yeah it's like you can't draw any parallels to like real life it's, okay I feel like Squid Game also got caught up in like the TikTok fame and the Mr. Beast shit where the, it was yeah, the Mr. it became Beast. a very big commodity, just the concept. Um, but the show itself, yeah, like absolutely explores like deep thematic themes and stuff. So yeah, that's that's a weird parallel, but <laughs> we what, got to. What about you, Jake? Yeah, uh I'll I'll bring up two that I've seen recently, both theatrical experiences. Um so AMC has been showing a revival print of Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, um, yeah. which is one of my favorite films of all time. And I, I obviously had to see it. Thankfully, the crowd I saw it with was really respectful for the most part, even though some kids spilled a soda on my seat um, and took me out what? of the movie for a good oh, two really? minutes. I was literally I my friend next to me, like was kind of laughing for the next five minutes, but I was so engrossed in the movie. I kind of. I like use my peripheries yeah. to yeah. just cut them out. They um, shook it off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, thankfully, I didn't get wet, but my my seat was like dripping Diet Coke the rest of the movie. So, <laughs> you know, another sidebar of just bad theater experiences. Yeah. But um, one of my I favorite movies. Uh, yeah, I was gonna <laughs> say I haven't seen that movie yet, and yeah, they were playing it at my like at a at the Plaza Art Theater in Atlanta, but I didn't go see it. But it's a film that I've definitely mm-hmm. been wanting to see for a very long time. I you know highest of recommendations for me. I think it's. It's a very, it was a very big film in its day, but I feel like it's kind of gotten lost in the shuffle with other kind of martial arts movies, but it's just, it's so much more than that. Um, mm-hmm. It kind of ex- explores just every facet of human emotion and the human condition and the filmmaking is just so elegant, so beautiful. And um, Michelle Yeoh, like she's very prominent in the film community right now because of everything everywhere obviously mm-hmm. um so it was really cool to go back in time and just see like kind of where her roots came from with this movie um even though i've seen it so many times but it's like it she's so incredible in that movie yeah dude uh michelle yeah i think one of the only films i saw her in before everything everywhere was uh memoirs of a geisha and I saw right. that film because of Jen and like Jen really loved it. And that was like one of the earliest films that like we kind of watched together because she was like, oh, you got to watch this movie. And I mean, I haven't seen it in a long time, but from what I remember, it was actually pretty good. So, yeah, the sets in Memories of a Geisha and the, it's definitely like production design is pretty top notch. Um, yeah. Um, some good stuff. Uh, yeah. And like, obviously, Crouch and Tiger was directed by Ang Lee. Um, that was like his kind of his peak as a filmmaker, I would say, like coming off the ice storm and like sense and sensibility and stuff and going to Brokeback Mountain. Like he had he was making really yeah. incredible movies, <laughs> making bangers, dude. Dude, yeah, churning out so many bangers. Um, 
I'd love to talk about more Ang Lee on the podcast too, because I'm a big fan, but that's his magnum opus. If you ask me, it's like a five out of five, six out of five masterpiece. Um, but yeah, <laughs> dude, that's <laughs> so good. Um, and also I, I just, I think Carlos, you said you wanted to join in on this mm-hmm. rampage about cocaine bear. Cause I was oh, sorely yeah. let down by this movie. I mean, like my expectations weren't even that sky high, to be honest, it was more, yeah. I just wanted to have a good time with my friends at the theater Same. drink some AMC beers, but it was the movie was totally just all over the place um, and like really unfocused in terms of character. And it focused way too heavily on character. Yeah. And dude, like, yeah, no, you could jump in. Yeah, it's just I just didn't latch on to really anything except for like a few fun sequences that were pretty gory and inventive. But yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty much on the same page. Like, the thing is, like, definitely more than half the movie is, like, doesn't involve the bear element in the plot at all. Like, yeah. I mean, the I mean, the plot element is there, but you don't actually visually see the cocaine bear really going at it, like, for only maybe, like, 20% of the actual movie. And that's kind of being generous. So, like, mm-hmm. most of it is just, like, character interactions, character setup. And a lot of attempts at humor that don't even really work. And I'm actually really lenient on comedy and humor. Me but too. like a lot of it just felt so like just felt it just had poor execution. And a lot of the humor felt forced and it didn't just click right. And I don't know. It was just really disappointing because like all pretty much all the scenes. I mean, there's only maybe a few scenes that don't involve the actual like bear action gore stuff that was like, OK, it's not bad, I guess. But for the most part, like, it just wasn't very good at all. And, you know, I was like you. I didn't go in with, like, super high expectations. I went in, you know, just wanting just a really fun, dumb movie. Right. And, yeah, it's dumb, fun, but only, like, in bits. Like, it doesn't deliver. Like, for a film called Cocaine Bear, you kind of expect more out of it. And Mm -hmm. not saying there aren't some sequences with the Cocaine Bear that are fucking super entertaining. Like, there's this one car chase sequence with the bear that's really good like that like if the film had more oh, yeah. of that like that was like the part of the movie where i was like holy shit this is entertaining this is kind of what i've been waiting for this is great um but that's like the that's like the peak of the movie like after that like nothing really gets as good as that scene and i mm-hmm. don't know it's just very disappointing movie overall I, I think i gave it a solid five which is being kind of generous yeah i gave it a gave it like a soft four um oh, it, damn. <laughs> damn. I don't think that's too controversial, right? I think most people are pretty, uh, pretty down on this movie, like it's relative to the hype of the title and the trailer and everything. But yeah, like the the ambulance scene was really fun. Um, but I made the, it was really great. Yeah, and I made the joke last night. I'm like, this movie is like trying to be like, with the the ensemble of characters, it feels like it's like a fucking shortcuts or like boogie nights. There's like an ensemble of characters, (laughs) except they don't pay off in any real real way um yeah it's like why are you following like eight or like eight or ten different characters and threads it's just really bizarre um and yeah. I, I i kind of had the pitch i'm like what if it was just like mobsters versus the bear um because they were the most you know heightened and ridiculous characters versus the bear but like, there's like kids and like the, the sheriff guy it's just like useless characters they yeah. throw at the wall dude it's really bizarre they should have made um, the movie a lot more like linear. Like, I don't know why, right. like it involves so many different elements. Like, I don't know. Like I felt like this needs to be simple plot wise, character wise and everything else. And it just like, 
you're right. Like way too many characters, way too many focuses. Um, you know, poor Ray Liotta. I mean, he's... I, I made the joke. The last, the last thing we'll ever see him do on screen is get like eaten by bear cubs. <laughs> and his yeah. spoiler alert. Sorry. Oh, um, no worries. <laughs> yeah, Blair, you haven't seen it. I'm sure. I, I haven't seen sure Cocaine very... Bear. I mean, um, I might, I might just watch it just, just purely because I have the AMC A list, so it's like not much uh, commitment or whatever. So exactly, Maybe. it's a perfect AMC stubs like rainy <laughs> afternoon movie. It's not. Exactly. Somebody commented on my Cocaine Bear video saying that Ray Liotta actually has like two or three other films that aren't released yet. So. You oh, might see okay. him. Yeah, you might see him in another movie or something. So let's kind of hope that's the case, and hopefully it's a better movie. <laughs> <laughs> right? Because this the final, the final credit of the movie, or like before the credits, rather, it says a loving tribute to Ray Liotta. I'm like, oh, so this must be his last on screen. Yeah. I'm like, that's a shame. <laughs> like, I remember kind of. And my theater when that rolled. Well, by the way, my theater was packed, and Same. when that when that credit rolled at the end. Somebody in the theater was like, Ray Liotta, who the fuck is that? I was like, <laughs> what the hell. <laughs> I was like, damn, poor guy. Fucking, fucking pleb. I know. <laughs> the mascot from situation. B movie. And that's the other <laughs> the guy. It's like, bro, have you never have you not seen B movie? Ray Liotta Honey. It's like it's the guy from Place Beyond the Pines, the guy the bad cop. He's in that movie? Oh my god. Yeah, he I think is. so. Yeah. Completely I forgot. <laughs> He's in, he had a lot of weird character actor roles like in his later half of his career you know so he's a marriage right. story and i remember that but yeah he was really good in that actually he was very he, good he was yeah. yeah rest in peace um yeah for sure <laughs> great actor um and yeah like kind of what, going off what you were saying about the guy say i like i had a lot of to put it lightly dumb audience members in my screening mine was pretty uh, bad <laughs> yeah dude i mean I mean, I, I kind of knew that movie. It was kind of like a, a horror audience. Um, uh-huh. like, that brings out the worst people. Yeah. It's like <laughs> it's like half drunk, like middle aged women and like teenagers, you know, um, yeah. there's a woman in front of me, like throughout the whole movie was like scrolling through like DoorDash and shit, like looking what? at food. What the fuck? <laughs> I was just like, are you about to order like, are you shitting me? DoorDash. About to order, like Popeyes to see Door- cocaine bear or some shit. <laughs> um, I didn't care though because the movie was so unengaging. I didn't really give yeah. a shit. But it's like, but then after the movie, just the reception, everyone in the theater was like, besides my the group I saw it with, like we all hated it. But everyone else was like, man, I can't. They got to make more of those. I'm like, yeah, wow. I think, I think, <laughs> dude, I think like ninety percent of my theater liked it. I really, yeah, I, I would like, agree. Yeah, I think it was just great for like, I don't know, I hate to say it, but like the kind of like casual audience. I think it was just. They had fun with it, I guess, which sure. whatever, it's fine. I'm glad they had fun. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, it just, I, I, I couldn't understand there because it was like kind of like what you're saying about Into the Mood for Love. It's a lot of impromptu laughter that mm-hmm. wasn't like well deserved, in my opinion. So it just kind of got on my nerves that a- absolutely. And again, uh, usually I'm not that guy. Like, usually, like, I'm really lenient with humor. Like, I, was, I can, mm-hmm. I, I'll, like, I love Adam Sailor movies and even like some of his later works that people hate like i even dig some of that shit so like hubie halloween movie, yeah i like hubie oh halloween. my god you guys are alone on that shit <laughs> i love hubie halloween oh, boy, not a, get, it's gonna be on my best of 2010s so no. like it, I, it's not a good movie <laughs> but it's just entertaining and funny to me for the most part i don't know but uh, um, yeah yeah but cocaine <laughs> bear it was just like 
it was trying hard to be funny and it was not funny for a lot of it. So I don't know. Absolutely. Um, uh, yeah, I think that's all I have to say about that movie, honestly. And, uh, yeah. really relevant to the night, to the Kurosawa movies and stuff we're going to be talking about <laughs> in a second here. Um, but yeah, not a, I, oh yeah. The one thing I was going to add, I remember I'd seen infinity pool with a packed audience, like the amount of people that hated that movie. And then the contrast of like cocaine bear where it's like a crowd pleaser. It's just kind of like, oh my God. I'm, that's moments where I'm like, my taste is like just so different than a lot of the other people's where it's, it's it really shows with examples yeah. like that, you know? Yeah. When you go into a movie like that, like it kind of like exposes, like, I, I don't want to say like how different we are or something like that, but just how most people are when they go to a movie, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like the vast majority of people that go to the movies just view it a lot differently sure and i'm not highbrow i see mostly anything and i'm I'm like i'm not i don't have the best takes on it like i like most movies you guys know that um yeah. i'm kind of that like, way too honestly right and yeah, yeah I, I see everything i see dumb comedies i see bad horror movies i don't care um and, but the, when there's just like a legit bad movie like and like a or like a stupid marvel movie yeah it's always it's always the case where like i feel like i'm a sore thumb or in the group yeah. and like, no that was a lot of fun i'm like okay yeah like, and, then, and then i feel bad i feel like i'm some sort of yeah. like, pretentious asshole but I'm, i i don't know what to tell you like <laughs> if i was truly like pretentious like i would give like put some boots like a five out of ten or i would like you know give every like you know whatever movie like you know, a bad grade, but I like normal movies too, but it has to be good. It has to be a good, normal movie. I'm going to, when I edit this, I'm going to slowly zoom in on your criterion collection while you say that. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Oh man. Um, Yeah. This is like going back to our, our our theater experiences uh, episode. It's like part two in a way, Um, but yeah. (laughs) It's a, definitely, <laughs> it's a follow-up you know I, I had like other shit come to my mind but i gotta block it out because I'll, I'll keep rambling but anyway um i should tell everyone about what we're doing with the 50s um so like i said at the top we're gonna be going through each decade from 1950s onward uh we discussed doing the 40s but i think you guys admitted that you don't have enough exposure to the 40s uh which is totally yeah. fair because almost 80 years ago at this point um and yeah. and yeah how many 40s movies i actually saw but on my letterbox i think i only have legitimately like five like at most so. yeah i really don't have much either <laughs> admittedly i'm glad no that's totally fair I, I probably have like 20 or something total um Damn. so it'd be kind of a boring conversation um that's when i was like watching a bunch of musicals and like classic hollywood stuff uh so nothing really interesting to even talk about um but i mean the 50s is, was a really exciting time because you had you had great american film but you had like the international wave of really inspiring directors like kurosawa and sachi ray um kubrick hitchcock kind of peaked not peaked but you know found their footing in the 1950s so it's a really solid decade looking back um so i mean and like you look at Scorsese and Coppola and all these guys in the 70s like whenever they talk about what inspired them as filmmakers it's always looking back to the 1950s decade and at least like the international wave um you know they they're obsessed with Kurosawa and like John Ford movies uh like the searchers and stuff like that so it's I think it's a good place to start cuz it's kind of uh 
I, I'm not going to say we're knowledgeable about it, but I think we've seen enough movies to define the decade and come with a d- definitive top 10, yep. if that makes sense. Um, I agree. Yeah. So I think so. The rules are we're each going to present five different films. Um, so 15 total by the end. And our job is to get dwindle it down to 10. Um, so we're going to be crossing off people's movies. Uh, hopefully no one's feelings get hurt, but I think it's going to be a fun <laughs> deliberation and conversation like a friendly argument um maybe there won't even be an argument maybe it'll be easy once to cross out but uh <laughs> but uh it's good to have like three people on this and eventually we're gonna have four people on the episode because we're gonna get a full kind of buffet of different movies and different people's tastes um and 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 you guys asked before the podcast like is this objective or subjective um and i my answer was kind of like it's a mix of both like i think it should be your personal taste but also like kind of encompassing what a, a very iconic movie of the fifties would represent. And like Carlos, you said like different filmmakers, right? Like you have, di- you've chose like, make sure that you chose different directors and that never like doubled up on certain people to kind of have variety. That is correct. I mean, it's painful, but like, <laughs> you know, I, just to be more inclusive, I only included one film per director. I did the same thing for like my my like my top 20 favorite films of all time i always pick just like one film per director because i try and do that too at this if, point if not i'm gonna have like four kubrick films and like <laughs> three von trier films and four paul thomas anderson films and it's just gonna be like sure. a boring list so yeah same right no that that's a good idea um and and yeah and that, that's when it's that's when your taste truly shows up because you can see like what directors you're obsessed with and then you know, maybe some directors had like a great one-off film that's like a masterpiece that you really like. Um, I, I certainly have one that I'm going to talk about. So it's going to be really interesting. Um, so yeah, we're going to go from five to one, kind of switch off. Uh, Blair, would you like to kick us off with your number five? Sure. So admittedly, this is probably going to be the one that's freshest in my head because we had a discussion on it. To on the Mr. Pond Discord, <laughs> I promise I'm not just trying to be a plug. It just happens to work that way. Five dollars a month. Yeah. Five dollars a month on Patreon. Get full access to the Discord. <laughs> <laughs> so this is um this is all that heaven allows. Is nice, my number nice. is my number five. I'm sorry, I forget the director. I'm gonna have to look that up real quick. That would be Douglas Sirk. Douglas Sirk. Yep. Um I I, I truly fell in love with this film like immediately on my first watch. I just adore um, Technicolor films and the the way this movie uses it is really, really great. And I love the two central performances a lot. It feels really touching and also kind of heartbreaking, the kind of turmoil they they go through and like the character decisions that and their environment that kind of lead to their complicated relationship it's really compelling um and shout out to bill griff who especially who like really um put this movie like in front of me to me to help me watch it like so yeah if you haven't seen this film i'd really recommend anybody else checks it out because it's just a great like kind of melodrama but in my opinion it's like the best kind of melodrama like it's like peak Mm -hmm. melodrama that makes sense so yeah um that's my number five all that heaven allows amazing yeah, it's a great it's a great movie i like it a lot too 
Me too. It's it's under my under honorable mentions. Um, I'm I'm a huge I'm a big melodrama fan, especially from that era when done really elegantly like that. And yeah, like the Technicolor and the whole the whole presentation of that movie, especially on Criterion, is just so eigasmic. It looks incredible. Um, it's a must buy for my uh, next Criterion um, haul. Absolutely. Sure. Yeah, you. It, I have it. it. It looks incredible. So. Yeah, that's your number five. Uh, Carlos, do you want to go next? Sure. Um, so um, I have a few honorable mentions. Um, you can save those, actually. I'll just save I, it. I think at the end, if okay. with our top 10, I think we can just like throw a few out and see if those will make it too. Because I, I think we okay. can do like a rapid fire route, if that's cool with you. Oh, yeah, I'm down. Yeah, okay. totally. Um, all right, then. My number five is actually... The Wages of Fear. Um, yeah, this film, I watched it back in uh, back in film school, basically. Um, I shouldn't call it film school. It's a, it's a school that offered film as a course. <laughs> but um, <laughs> basically, yeah, that was on the that was on our um, uh, curriculum. And uh, I fell in love with the film. It's uh, it's one of the first like 50s films that I watched that like I really fell in love with. And it's a really intense film. Uh, like, I mean, yeah, it might take like the first 20 minutes or so. It's a lot of like, you know, establishing character and context and everything. But, you know, once we get like, you know, in this like in the thick of the action of this movie, which is basically like starts right off the bat after that first 20 minutes, it is just like nonstop suspense, um, really intense stuff. And there's um, I mean, there's some heavy, um, I guess, like anti-capitalist themes as well that's kind of woven throughout this film um you know about the kind of dangerous jobs that you know people are kind of thrown in to do um also kind of like satirizing you know these like uh big time bosses who you know don't want to get their hands dirty but um yeah um really intense film um just to give i guess like a very general summary of the plot basically like two people have to carry very explosive cargo through a very rocky landscape that pretty much any wrong move can cause a whole damn thing to fucking blow up so mm -hmm. um yeah and actually we're going to be watching the i guess you'd call it a remake from i think werner Hor i could be wrong but i think werner herzog made the remake for it called sorcerer william um, freakin william freakin yeah. there you go um and I'm going to watch that for the first time this week. So I'm really looking forward to that because I heard that's really great. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I, I actually haven't seen Wages of Fear yet. I, it's been on my list forever, but I have seen Sorcerer. And that's that's a 70s masterpiece, in, in my opinion. Oh, shit. Um, I'm even of, more excited now. One of Freakin's best films. I don't know how well it compares to I heard Wages of Fear. I mean, obviously, you think it's a masterpiece. I can't wait to check that out. Um, but yeah, the yeah. whole the whole concept of the the kind of tension of the truck not being able to to touch the ground and blow up is really fascinating so yeah um, i can't wait to watch that yeah i haven't That's seen a... it either but i guess i'll watch sorcerer this week it's so good it's so good um, and the director wages of fear i didn't know did die belique um so that's, oh, shit. that's interesting that's, yeah that's also a pretty good movie i like that yeah one. please french uh genre filmmaker it seems like so that's cool yeah, it's a French uh, filmmaker, but The Wages of Fear, I think, takes place in 
I could be wrong, but I think it's actually in Cuba or something. Oh, wow. Okay. So yeah, it's actually, uh, there's a lot of Spanish speak, you know, there's a lot of Spanish spoken mm-hmm. in the movie. So, so they kind of integrate, uh, some communist themes, I'm sure. Yeah, there has to be something like that. I could be wrong because it's been a while since I've seen it. But I do think from what I remember, The Wages of Fear takes place in Cuba. Gotcha. Yeah, I trust that. (laughs) Um, (laughs) It it seems to check out. (laughs) Carlos starts a war with Cuba. Uh, (laughs) uh, Anyway, Cuba's based. I'm just kidding. (laughs) We we love our Cuban listeners. If there are any out there. That's a great pick. Um, glad we got something. Uh, we, we diversify our list in that way. So, uh, yeah, uh, my, I'll go with my number five now. Um, oh, yeah. Mine is a film by Satya Ray. Yes. Um, and it is the first film in the Apu trilogy, Panther Panchali, um, which is a movie. Oh, dude, I want to see that movie so bad. I want to watch it really bad, too. Damn. It might not make our list then in the end since you guys haven't seen it, sadly. But um it's my number five it's my personal um favorite of the apu trilogy um you know some would argue the second and third flesh out the character a lot more if you guys don't know it kind of chronicles this boy's life um throughout the years um and the first film panther panchali is essentially his upbringing um from like a baby to a toddler to young you know preteen basically um and yeah, this movie is just timeless in every single way. Uh, the photography is just so gorgeous and um, the landscapes are so raw and, and so luscious at the same time. Um, and this movie is just so damn relatable in some in many ways to me personally. I think there's just the family dynamics and the kind of curious nature of this kid is just so well captured in this movie. Um, there's so many just pure cinematic moments in this movie that would like very, like long stretches about any dialogue where this kid is just exploring the world that just is so well observed and so masterfully done um and yeah um it's it's just so cool uh that it it kickstarts this whole chronicle of this man's life um very personal to Sachi at Ray um and yeah and this is it's just a masterful film and I I hope you guys check it out soon I'm sure you will um, cause it, I think it's like a, it's a must see for any film fan for sure. Um, and it, it's inspired most of the filmmakers that we love today. So yeah, the, that's my number five. Yeah, dude, the only, the only, um, Sajid Ray film that I've seen is the hero. And I think that's a must see mm-hmm. masterpiece. <laughs> so Ooh. that's the only film I've seen from him as well. <laughs> yeah. Oh. My, room, my roommate brought that up on our podcast. I remember, uh, or what was it you actually when we talked about underrated criterions, right? Yeah, I think that was me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah definitely. I gotta see that. And he's he's such a great director, odd man. Yeah, I love um, that movie. So yeah, uh Blair with your number four next. Okay, so this is the one that I have least afresh in my head, but um my viewing experience when I first watched it is strong enough for like me to to definitively say it'd be my number four. So I'm going to go with The 400 Blows by Francois Truffaut. Um, I haven't seen that many French New Wave films, but from the ones I have seen, this definitely like takes the cake of being the best and my favorites. Um, what I do remember is that the child performance, the central child performance is 
incredible. It, it would honestly probably be in like my top three child performances of all time. It might even be my Absolutely. number one. Um, I, I remember the filmmaking just being really fantastic like everything just feeling very um natural because french new wave is known for its kind of like crazy editing but from what i remember this movie really flows very well and um the way it kind of builds this uh child's kind of journey and his uh tumultuous relationship with his parents was really well done and um i especially remember the iconic ending um, I guess I won't spoil it for anybody, but there's there's a lot of movies that very much take inspiration of this film, like especially in its ending. And uh, mm-hmm. it, it's definitely due for a rewatch for me. But yeah, I, I'm curious to hear how you guys feel about it. Like, I know Carlos loves it, but um, yeah, I, I don't I talk about do. this. I don't talk about this movie very much. And I, I, I definitely think it should be in the conversation more because it's it's really incredible. Was it you, Carlos, that referred to this as the 400 blowjobs? <laughs> that, that was actually Perry. Credit to Perry. Yeah, I can't take credit for that one. And whenever I think of that movie, I can't get that out of my head. Like, that's the quintessential <laughs> title. Uh, I love that film to death. Yeah, that was a early, early Criterion movie that I watched. You know, like, I was still, I think I was still in high school at the time. So it's been a while for me. But yeah, I agree. It's it's a masterpiece and one of the best coming of age revealing films about a director's early life that i've ever seen so oh it's definitely one of the best coming of age films like hands down yeah 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 it's also like surprisingly a fast-paced movie too Mm -hmm. and i think that like that i mean it kind of helped me like always like keep engagement because i didn't i never felt like there was lag time despite it being in ways almost like a slice of life film um absolutely yeah yeah, definitely. I'd always thought it'd be a fun double feature if you were going to do like a coming of age thing to like watch that and then watch Where's the Friend's House and kind of like oh, these portraits so of a young director's, you know, looking back on his childhood. Um, and th- those are like the two ma- the yeah. best, in my opinion. So yeah, both both of those films have kids running a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> whimsical children running throughout like large cities and stuff. It's really <laughs> Love that stuff. So, yeah, amazing choice. Uh, follow that up, Carlos. <laughs> all right. First of all, I want to correct the record and say the Wages of Fear was not in Cuba. It took place in the South American jungle. <laughs> okay, cool. So, Similar to Sorcerers the same way. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, before somebody comments like, it doesn't take place in exactly. Cuba. <laughs> some, some, ch- some chuckle fuck will be happy to correct you. <laughs> so, so it, it's, it's good that you said it. <laughs> I uh, pictured it was going to be Perry to to correct oh, the record. <laughs> that would be a Perry thing. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. So at number four on the list, have kind of, kind of a, I don't want to say like it's an easy pick, but it's kind of a, like a predictable pick, I guess, but I can't help it because I really love the movie. Um, so number four, I got Sunset Boulevard from uh, obviously Billy Wilder. Yeah, um, I know this is considered like one of the best films ever made. This is like in most people's, you know, top 1950s lists. Um, but yeah, uh, I mean, I can't help it. This film really is truly incredible, like in so many ways. Uh, I've only seen it once, but it stuck with me so well, like ever since that first watch. I mean, the acting in it, the acting in it, it's, it's so great, especially from the main actress 
whose name I can't recall right now. Maybe somebody knows, but um, she is incredible in this film. Um, you know, the thing with like Billy Wilder is that what I've noticed from all the films that I've seen from him is that his directing style is kind of like cartoony in a way. Like a lot of his characters are very like active and there's a like a, there's, it's a very high energy type of filmmaking he has mm-hmm. um, just like the way that the characters express themselves and whatnot. Um, but it works really, really well with Sunset Boulevard. It works incredibly well as opposed to maybe a film like uh, Stalag 17, which I wasn't a fan of his kind of cartoony approach with like, you know, prisoner of war camps or whatever. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, with Sunset Boulevard, um, I mean, it tackles so many themes. Um, the main one being having to do with Hollywood and the film industry, obviously, um, you know, in a way criticizing Hollywood in multiple different ways. But yeah, and just like even be- even besides like from its like thematic quality, just from like a character and story perspective, it's quite incredible. Um, just the way that things unravel, the way that Billy Wilder presents the story and the structure. Um, it's just really, really great. It has one of the best like, final mo- like final scenes you know in a movie like ever um but yeah I, I i fucking love this movie honestly it's it's due for a rewatch i don't think i've I, it's been like at least four or five months since i've seen it and i already want to see it again so yeah i shamefully have yet to see this film and oh, i damn. love billy wilder and that's like my biggest gap with him and i damn. i'm very ashamed i need to this I mean, push for a watch for sure. I think Double Indemnity is my favorite Billy Wilder movie, period. But mm-hmm. it's it's always neck and neck between that and uh, Sunset Boulevard. They're both just truly incredible. Yeah. I've Have never seen, the- seen uh, Sunset Boulevard, but I adore with all my heart Double Indemnity. Incredible movie. It's like one of the yeah. best femme fatale performances by Barbara Stanwyck in that movie. It's like god damn um and i love the apartment too i don't know if you guys have seen that oh yeah um, i've seen it it's great I've never seen one of my it. favorite it. it's so good one of my favorite scripts ever in film um so i'm glad you talked about it because I, I would I, it would be kind of embarrassing if this didn't show up on <laughs> anyone's list because it's quintessential yeah, i got like. shocked i thought at least one of y'all saw it i thought <laughs> no. one of y'all watched sunset boulevard <laughs> no nah, we we suck we, we're yeah, not we good suck. movie watchers clearly <laughs> our kino license needs to be revoked I mean, I've only, I've only seen it like not too long ago, technically. So right. I was there with y'all for such a long time. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's a whole nother podcast I would love to do one day is just going over all the embarrassing gaps in film that I have. And like, obviously, you know, having people to talk about that with would be a lot of fun. So that's, that's definitely like in the top five where I'm like, fuck, why have I not? <laughs> bite the bullet already i'm just gonna yeah. be amazing you know yeah yeah you're gonna love it guaranteed mm-hmm. it's it's a it's a good tour um oh yeah okay um okay my number four um is is also one of my favorite films of all time um which i realized should be probably number one on my list but fuck it i'm just gonna talk about it now um it's night of the hunter uh which is directed mm. by charles lawton um the one and only film he ever directed um and yeah um yeah i'm making sure i have that fact right yeah that's the only thing ever directed a huge movie star um but this movie man is just uh, so innovative 
in terms of technical work, um, in terms of the sound design and the, and the cinematography, just out of this world for the time um, coming out in 1955. Um, and the plot of this movie is really simple. It's just two kids kind of find some money or some item. I honestly don't remember the exact item that they discover, but it belongs to Charles Lawton. Um, and I always describe this movie as like 1950s, no country for old men. Cause it's, it's literally just a cat and Ooh. mouse chase across the American landscape. Um, and yeah, this movie is just moody as hell, like very atmospheric and terrifying. Like you could almost make the argument that this is a horror movie just in terms of the tone, in terms of the villain. Um, let me pull up his name. I'm blanking on who plays the villain in this movie. Robert Mitchum, of course, um, who's an incredible actor. And he is so menacing and so alluring at the same time. It's honestly one of the greatest villain performances I could think of, you know, akin to like um, Anton Chigurh's character. Um, maybe it's a stretch to compare those movies so closely, but I couldn't help but think of that, that this movie inspired the Coen brothers so deeply. Um, and they've even referenced it so many times. And that's kind of why I watched it in the first place. Um, but yeah, this, that this movie is just a masterpiece on every technical level and story level. Um, and really a movie that most people, even like, I would say non-film lovers would enjoy because the story is just so simplistic. Um, and yeah, it is. The criterion is out of print, unfortunately, but there's so many great supplements about, you know, Robert Mitchum, because it's the only film he ever directed. And it's just really interesting that that movie got made in the first place. Um, and yeah, I, I, I just I couldn't say enough great things about it. It's It's a masterpiece. So have y'all. See Night of the Hunter. I have not, but oh, the way shit. you describe it makes me really want to watch it. Yeah, same here. I I unfortunately have not seen it. It's been on my watch list for a very long time, basically. I know that Bill in the Discord really loves it. So yeah, it's a it's a must-see for me, but haven't seen it yet. <laughs> it is a must-see. Uh I that's always one of the first films I'd recommend if someone's like asking for a classic film, like an entryway, maybe. To classic Hollywood or something um, and very much inspired like not only the Coen brothers but like the way Wes Anderson framed shots and you know people like that like utilizing a lot of wides and a lot of just very symmetrical and off-putting angles and stuff like that it's it's just so fascinating um, on in every technical category so that's my number four but also could be number, my number one uh, <laughs> I just love it so Hell yeah, dude. So yeah, Blair, you are next with your number three. It's always uh it's always a dawning task kicking kicking these off. It's like it's like a high <laughs> 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 no. Um it is. So my number three is a film that I was very surprised Carlos gave a 10 out of 10. For some reason I didn't think Carlos would, but it made me very happy. And Ooh. I all we all here give it tens apparently. So this is a uh, late spring Ooh. by Yasujiro Ozu. Oh, is that a fifties film? Shit. Oh, is it not? Oh my god! I thought it might have been a four. I thought it was a forties film. I, I was yeah. so certain it was a fifties film. Let's Fuck let's me. do a quick fact check. I think that yeah, that's nineteen forty nine. <laughs> sorry, man. I'm sorry for fucking up that flow. No, no, no. Yo, do you have any? Yo, but. Full disclosure, late spring is a fucking incredible fucking movie. I was about to say, I'm like, I would have, that would have been on my list in a heartbeat if that was the 50s. Yeah, I thought Shit. I fucked up for a second. I <laughs> yeah, was like, no, I fucked up. Okay, I do have a backup. Let me fucking double check that this is, huh? 
now it's all I'm good. It's all of good. myself. You were one year off. You were that far. Okay. So I do have a backup. My actual number three is um, a director we already talked about. Uh, Billy Wilder. I'm going to go with uh, Some Like It Hot. Mm. Yeah, so, that is a really good one. I was honestly not expecting to love this movie um, when I watched it. But I, I ended up doing a movie night for it. And I was pleasantly surprised. I, I really love this movie. This is the only other Billy Wilder film I've seen besides Double Indemnity. Um, and obviously they're very different films, but both just excel in their own fucking way. And it's also the only Mar- Marilyn Monroe film I've ever seen. And she's great in this along with Tony Curtis and uh, Jack Lemmon. Um, the pacing of this just works really fucking well. It's constantly super energetic um, and consistently funny. Like the, the film isn't always like busting out loud. Like I, it's not a film you're probably going to catch me like necessarily like bursting out laughing every scene, but it's consistently like really well written, like as a really amazing screenplay. And um, honestly, it just holds up well as like a very entertaining um 50s comedy and uh i love it enough to say it'd probably be like in my top 50 films of all time i i wow. really really love this movie a lot so yeah uh amazing uh, yeah billy wilder's some like it hot it's a great fucking film i'm glad we have two billy wilders that's really that's amazing representation of his work for sure and if we did 40s i'm sure double indemnity would have been like a no-brainer oh yeah on the top 10 yeah I also think it's like kind of incredible how tasteful the humor is for like the cross-dressing element, mm-hmm. <laughs> especially for like the 1950s, you would expect that thing to maybe like age a little bit. With exactly. Time. Right. But I'm with it, you, but it doesn't age at all. Like even now with how you know sensitive those topics can be, it's still like just incredibly well done. So yeah, absolutely. Uh, Billy Wilder's all of his movies always remain so contemporary. Honestly, if you watch, I mean, The Apartment or Ace in the Hole, like those movies, those themes and the tone of those movies just feel just perfect for today. And I wish we had moved more movies like that, to be honest with you. So, yeah, Ace uh, in the Hole is so good. Yeah, he's. I want to watch that. I have a master. Kirk Douglas in that movie. Is that the 50s? Like, fuck. There's so many I forgot about. (laughs) (laughs) Could be. It oh, could definitely shit. be. It's a 51 film, yeah. Damn. Oh, uh, okay, uh, quick honorable mention for Ace in the Hole. <laughs> yeah, same. Uh, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Um, my Carlos, turn. You're, yeah, you're number three. All right. So my number three is a film from my favorite filmmaker of all time. Uh, it's, a, <laughs> it's Stanley Kubrick, and it is The Killing So I basically had to choose between The Killing or Paths of Glory because those are two amazing Stanley Kubrick films. And um, I just went with The Killing. Um, You know, it could possibly be just because of like recency bias. It's the most, you know, and in comparison to both movies, I haven't seen Paths of Glory for like almost two years. The Killing I saw at least half a year ago. But either way, like I feel like The Killing deserves a lot more exposure because I feel like a lot of people haven't seen it because they're kind of hesitant on whether or not it's going to actually be good because it's such an early like Kubrick film. But right. to me, the killing is basically like where Stanley Kubrick 
was becoming for sure a Stanley Kubrick um, because like it's a stylistic movie, like from a camera standpoint, the stylistic in terms of structure, um, even in terms of film editing, it's stylistic. Um, and yeah, I think the way it goes about the heist and how it explores all these different characters. I mean, it's, it's a riveting movie. Um, and it's a fifties heist movie and it's absolutely riveting from start to finish. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And again, like it has, it dives into a lot, into a, a bunch of different characters. And I think, you know, how it kind of resolves all these characters and, you know, how it explores all of them is quite impressive. Um, but yeah, I don't want to give too much away because I know like The Killing is a Stanley Kubrick film that I feel like a lot of people have kind of slept on. But I'm telling you, like, it's a very riveting and uh, engaging and stylistic heist movie that, you know, you're you're definitely going to regret, you know, putting off for so long. So, um, yeah, the, the Killing from Stanley Kubrick, fantastic film. I'm with you, dude. Mm-hmm. I fucking love the killing a lot. Like I was pretty fucking blown away by how much I fucking adored that movie. It's consistently Same. entertaining, start to fucking finish. Same. Which, I again, like I thought, like yeah, I thought like okay, yeah, I was gonna like it, but I after watching, I was like, fuck, I am in love with this movie. <laughs> yeah, that's how I was too. It's really one of the best paced films I could think of. Um, just how much how much he packs into like an 80 90 minute heist movie um and there's so many shots i think about in that movie like there's the one shot of the guy on the horse um before the crash Mm -hmm. occurs i believe and it's like this amazing dolly or or, i I don't know what you call it honestly um it's like it's like like a tracking kind of shot it's like a tracking but i feel like the camera had to be moving on like a dolly or something a dolly or something yeah i'm not entirely sure but it is gorgeous and then of course no spoilers, but the ending at the airport is like such a iconic oh, Kubrick scene and just image um, and Freaking kind of intense, dude. Yeah. And like really resonates the whole the whole money obsessed, you know, society. He was kind of depicting in that whole movie and like seeing what what rears rears his head at the very end is like really poetic, I feel like. Um, and yeah, just such an entertaining, great movie. Uh, Paths of Glory I, is actually I love that movie, too. I would. I would I would throw an honorable mention to that movie. Um, yeah, one of the best <clears throat> anti-war movies I can think of. Honestly, it's incredible. Absolutely, um, good director in my opinion. Uh, Some would say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, he's he's going to definitely show up a lot in the seventies, eighties, and maybe nineties, sixties too. Every decade. Um, pretty much yeah. <laughs> he's gonna show up um, <laughs> if we did the 40s maybe you would talk about killer's kiss i don't know i haven't seen oh. that one yet <laughs> maybe we'll even show up in the 2010s we'll see <laughs> <laughs> what was that the sequel to 2001 it's like uh, 2010 kubrick directed that it was just in the vault <laughs> damn yeah um, makes sense why it's such a masterpiece right uh, <laughs> Um, okay, so my number three, um, I'm actually making I'm making a change. I had another movie that I'll shout mm. out later in the honorable mentions, but Blair brought up Late Spring, which made me think of Ozu, and I couldn't pass up on an Ozu movie because he's one of my favorite directors. Um, I'm not picking the one that most people would think. Uh, I'm going to pick my personal favorite Ozu, uh, which is Good Morning. Mm-hmm. Um, an incredible, incredible movie. Um, 
There's a movie I, I saw very early on. Uh, I believe I, w- I was in college um, and I liked it and I love I loved what it was exploring. Um, but it was one of those movies I rewatched and I'm like, damn, this is truly one of my favorite movies ever. And also one of my favorite portraits of parent children sort of dynamics in, in, in kind of a post-war situation, which is just kind of a kind of a setup in movies I really tend to love for some reason. Um, I think there's something truly special about depicting ordinary life with a backdrop of kind of impending doom or just a very drastic change of life. But this movie stays really grounded. It doesn't really explore the larger themes, but really the smaller themes um, of these, this kind of community's life. And I just, I love how it's just a plethora of different characters and the story is just so simple of these kids want a TV to watch like sumo wrestling and it's definitely ozu's funniest film if you guys seen the movie you know you would know why there's a lot of like toilet and farting humor in this movie um and the kids feel at times even more just smarter and more intelligent than the adults and i love that sort of stuff um and and yeah and it's just the photograph so beautifully the colors it's I believe it's one of his first colored films. Um, and don't get me wrong, like the framing and the photography of his black and white films, especially late spring, are just drop dead gorgeous. Um, but the luscious color of Good Morning is just so welcoming and so beautiful. Um yeah, I I, I that, this is more of a personal pick. I I think people would definitely agree it's 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 one of the best Ozu movies, and I just wanted to represent it on our list. Um with something more personal so yeah uh, have you have you all seen that yes it's yes. awesome i love good morning so glad Very i happy. consider i considered it for my my 50s uh list because yeah it, like i said not traditionally like people would look at it maybe as masterpiece but it's a movie i think it's his most rewatchable and most uh just personal to me so but that's had to shout it out um yes yeah, so we're getting really deep we're getting to the top two now so it's getting really getting some deep ass keto here uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. dangerous uh, levels of keto <laughs> yeah blair go go for it all right so i wonder if this is one that anybody else here is gonna have on their list i guess maybe not just because i don't I know Carlos and I don't think he's going to put this on there for some reason. I'm going to go with this very iconic little film called the seventh seal by Igmar Bergman. Mm. Um, so I, I've only seen three Bergman films just recently. I saw persona for the first time. Um, I feel like I've seen three of his essentials, seventh seal persona and um, autumn Sonata. Totally. I would say that the seventh seal is, the weakest of those films but that's not saying like a whole lot because this film is incredible um i i don't even know where to really begin talking about this film it just has like this certain feeling that i've honestly never felt with any other film it just it it captures this like time and environment so well it's like its themes are so heavy because it deals with like death and the black plague but yet the film is not necessarily like overwhelmingly grim in tone it's like Mm -hmm. it's like weirdly funny but it doesn't take away from its like 
from its from its central themes um like everybody knows about like the ongoing chess game with uh death and how really you don't even have to like think about it that much it's just like so well incorporated into the film so natural um and uh yeah i just think it's like one of the best kind of films dealing with that topic and those themes and uh yeah i really love its kind of environment and and atmosphere like especially uh yeah i think this is incredible film it's like essential kino viewing for like (laughs) anyone honestly getting into films yeah dude it's it's a great one and you're right. I don't. Ha- I don't have that on my list. You're right. Yeah, for some reason, like I don't think Carl is gonna have this on his. <laughs> I don't. I mean, I. I think it's a great movie, though. You know, there's a lot about it that I do really like. Um, yeah, and I did. I didn't expect the Seventh Seal to be so humorous too. Like I was laughing Me a too. lot during that movie, <laughs> just because like there's just a lot of humor in it, like a lot, a lot of genuine humor. And yeah, I mean, you know, Blair's right. Like it's. It deals with such heavy material, but it's not just completely like you know grim with its tone. It's it's actually kind of playful when you think about it. But, but there uh, is yeah. a lot of spooky scenes, like that fucking. Uh, well, was it like a parade or like a march down like yeah. this one village? Oh, great! God. That was that was a great fucking scene. Yeah, that's like one of my favorite scenes of the movie. Same here. Really um, but yeah, that's also a film I need to rewatch. I've been seeing it a long time. Me too. That was my first Bergman. I was I was young and dumb so i didn't like fully grasp it <laughs> but i definitely enjoyed it um but then i've gone on to like watch other bergman like persona and virgin spring and all these great masterpieces and i want to come back to it you know and maybe it would it would probably be in my list if i revisited it but yeah he's it, bergman's an essential uh i'm sure he killed it in the 60s so i'm sure we're gonna have some 60s bergman to come come out of uh when we do that but yeah um I haven't seen Wild Strawberries. Have you guys seen that? I know that's a 50s uh, Igmar Bergman movie. I haven't. Honestly. Wild Strawberries. That was my first Bergman. Um, I like it. I like it. I'm not really that huge on it, but I do respect it and I like it um, for certain reasons. Um, but yeah, it's a very, you could tell that movie is like quite personal in a lot of different ways. Again, like it's a movie that's about like death, uh, coming to terms with your regrets, stuff like that. Um but yeah, I I like it. But you know, for most people that I talk to, they like are really in love with it. I'm not on that level, but I yeah. do like it. Yeah, I haven't seen it, but I've I've actually heard a few people say it's like their favorite Bergman. Um, which truthfully, there's no wrong answer when people ask. I mean, he's one of those directors where I feel like everyone has a different favorite. Like I love The Virgin Spring. Like that's up there with my favorite Bergman movies. Dude, even though I have I haven't seen it. I, I really want to see it, dude. I haven't seen it either. Think I'll bring it up in our '60s conversation. Um, it's 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 quite a movie, um, and that's probably his darkest. So it's like kind of the almost the antithesis of Seventh Seal in a way. But uh, but yeah, um, I think Carlos, you are up. Oh shit, you're number two. All right, all right, number two. <laughs> I think. I mean, I hope that we kind of see this film and at least one of y'all's list but we'll see um number two we got 12 angry men yeah from sydney lumet <laughs> i knew you know, this was coming <laughs> yeah i, I didn't <laughs> add it because i knew it would definitely be there but i knew for a fact one of y'all was gonna say it exactly so i didn't that, that was my, my <laughs> that was my thought process too 
Yeah, dude, like 12 Angry Men, it's like it's one of those things where it's just like it's such a universally loved film, mm. but it's it's for it's for very deserved reasons. <laughs> um, yes. Oh, my God. Yeah. Like this is a film that was very long overdue for me because, you know, I've heard about this movie pretty much all my life, but only until again, maybe like a year ago at this point, um, I finally saw and obviously I fell in love with it um, from start to finish, like just such brilliant screenwriting. Honestly, my, I might put it like in at the very least my top 10, like greatest screenplays ever written. Um, 100%. It's just like character wise, dialogue wise, uh, story wise, like it's all just so riveting, um, so nuanced, so entertaining. Um, uh, Henry Fonda in this movie is so good. Pretty much all the acting in this movie is great, but like I think Henry Fonda does a good job at like, you know, holding it down as like yeah. the one, the, the one juror that had doubt and, you know, really ple- you know, pleaded his case. Um, yeah. Like it's a film that's purely di- It's purely dialogue driven, all the one room type situation, you know, films. And, you know, I couldn't ask for a better type of uh screenplay for this type of subject matter. Um, yes. just, you know, great stuff all around. I mean, I know like people have already talked their heads off about this movie. Like, it's just like a again. It's it's like, it's like a Kino essential. Um, it's a film that you know you don't have to be like a Kino lord to really appreciate. Anybody could watch this movie and just love the hell out of it. Um, but yeah, I I love what you know where the 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 narrative goes. Of uh, you know what's revealed about certain characters as the story goes along, how characters interact with each other and how they deal with you know uh, how they deal with these interactions, especially when it starts to explode even more by the end of the film. Um, and it's it, and it's a great testament to just like the American court system as a whole. Um, but yeah, um, that's all I'll say for now. I I I really love this film a lot. I it was really satisfying to to, to buy it on Criterion. <laughs> yeah, dude, that was that was one of my first Criterions I ever got because that was that was an early early movie that made me fall in love with <clears throat> movies and classic classic movies especially. Um, and that that movie really encompasses like the true power that cinema can have because it's to make such a contained movie riveting that riveting and that emotionally resonant with each of its characters is just mind boggling how and to be done in the 50s and to take that big of a risk because movies were all about at least in America. I feel like movies were very much about spectacle driven, you know, storytelling. And that movie was just drawn back. Um, and Sidney Lumet, who's I'm going to talk about him probably a lot more in like the seventies specifically has directed some of the best scripts that have ever been written. In my opinion, like dog day afternoon network, obviously with Pachevsky. It's just, he is, he's a director that honestly, like he's, he's revered, but I don't think he's as revered as he should be. He's directed. I feel like some of the greatest films, like maybe three or four, some of the greatest films uh, in American history, in my opinion. Um, But yeah, he's, I'm at, yeah, it's a masterpiece. What else can I say? It's just so good. Yeah. Um, okay. My turn. Uh, my number two. This is another kind of no-brainer. I feel like it's not very an original pick, but similar to what you just said, Carlos, I kind of have to just because it's that good. Um, it do be like uh, that sometimes. It do be like that <laughs> a lot of the times. Sometimes I'm a basic-ass Kino lord, um, but, but hey. <laughs> Um, 
I'm talking about Vertigo, uh, which is mm. widely cele- celebrated as one of the greatest films of all time. It was number two on the sight and sound poll recently. I, I think it got, it got dethroned because um, it used to be number one by John Dealman. Um, Let's go. That's well-deserved. Awesome. Well-deserved for sure. Um, uh, I, I prefer John Dealman personally, but Vertigo is that's a film that I that kind of made me fall in love with Hitchcock. Uh, he's become was one of my first early, early directors that I loved. Um, and I'll be honest, like he's a lot of his work just doesn't stick with me as much besides Vertigo. That's the movie that obviously he's a master and like such a iconic and revolutionary filmmaker. But I think Vertigo truly is the one that will stand the test of time for a long time, um, mainly because it doesn't have any gimmicks like his other movies do. Not to say that they're bad gimmicks like he has a lot of twists or he has like a very confined movies in terms of location. But Vertigo is just a, a beautifully told story about love and the human mind and and the human psyche It explores at, at a very kind of progressive time to be doing that. And my God, we were talking about Technicolor and the Technicolor in this film. Uh, I, I hope it gets a criterion or something eventually because the, the transfer would be just so gorgeous. This movie just is so beautiful and the colors are so vibrant and everything. And uh, James Stewart in this movie is just phenomenal. Like one of the most underrated movie star performances I think ever. Um, so, yeah, this is kind of like the populist pick. Um, I kind of, you know, sometimes veered off into more obscure films on my list but like this i feel like this movie is undeniable for me personally when people ask what are some of the greatest movies of all time i always hit the bring up vertigo uh i think it's pure cinema at its at, at uh at the in the mind of one of our greatest technical filmmakers of all time um so yeah and and obviously there's a lot of hitchcocks you could you could throw at for for these lists but that's that's the one for me uh, yeah man like kind of a hot take for me but like i'm not that in love with vertigo (laughs) like i like it but granted i haven't seen it in such a long time you know i haven't seen it in like at least four or five years so maybe on rewatch that will change but um like i don't know like i like the movie quite a bit like i'd probably give it like an eight or something but i don't think it's at least from what i remember i wouldn't say it's like a masterpiece or like I think for its time, it's like, you know, I could, I could definitely see like why, like, you know, for its time, it was like a lot, like a really like life-changing kind of movie. Um, but I actually like, in terms of Hitchcock, I would probably put a few movies above Vertigo. Yeah, no, I, fair, fair enough. Because, yeah. because, I'm with you, like Hitchcock movies in general, like for some reason, they don't resonate that much with me. Like I can recognize like the directing talent and everything behind it, but for some reason, like, they don't resonate like that much with me uh, with the exception of a few, but you know, for the most part, I'm like, okay, yeah, I can, I can appreciate, you know, what he did for cinema, but like, personally, I'm not like, he's not my favorite or anything. Yeah. And that's why I prefaced it at the top too, that he was like an early director. I loved. like, I don't really go back to those movies that often and vertigo besides again, besides vertigo. Um, and yeah, not like a very emotionally, like, resonant filmmaker by any means um and I, I think this is where personal bias kicks in because this is a movie my dad was like obsessed with alfred hitchcock and he's one of the people that got me into cinema and stuff um so i just have fond memories of watching this movie and like rear window and all that stuff with my dad 
Um, and the, but the reason I picked this movie is I truly think it stands the test of time if you rewatch it. Not to say like your opinion's wrong, but um, yeah. I feel like I feel like even just like the deepest of film lovers, like if you rewatch this movie, I think there's a lot of special cinematic achievements that this movie has to offer. Um, yeah. So that's my argument I, for Vertigo. Uh, I mean, I mean, I'm definitely gonna go back and watch it. At the end of the day, like I'm the one in the hot seat. Like <laughs> most <laughs> most most people agree that it's like one of the best things ever made. So you know, if if there's anything, if there's if there's anybody wrong here, it's me. So. <laughs> No, yeah, yeah. Um, and that's where taste, I feel like, shows for sure. Cause like I love I love melodramatic movies done right, like I said, with all that heaven allows. And that movie's mm-hmm. very melodramatic, uh, takes itself very seriously. Um, but yeah, um, I, I I just had to do it uh for personal reasons. Um, um and yeah, shout out to John Dealman. Oh hell yeah, <laughs> absolutely. That that was very cool. Um, I think it was Citizen Kane before Vertigo too. I think so. It's, so. Like, it's a cool yeah. progression, you know, because going from two very masculine, you know, classic Hollywood movies to that is like very cool. It is Where, like in very interesting. Mm-hmm. Where was John Dealman like before? Like where was it ranked? I don't think it was on the list no at all. Idea. If I'm if I'm not mistaken, <laughs> holy shit, which is what crazy. The, what the hell happened? They just found out about this fucking movie. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I honestly credit it like uh, this is like a deeper conversation for another time. But like really quick, like I really I credit it to like Filmstruck and Criterion Channel because like that's where I watched that movie. I think that's where like a lot of people like getting into film in the last decade would would have seen this movie Um, because I'm sure it was like really hard to find before Criterion kind of released it and pushed it out into the world. So I, I, I think Criterion is the reason, honestly, I'm like I and streaming being a big part of it as well. I can see so, that. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Because um, if it wasn't on the list 10 years ago, like, I don't know what else you could really credit it to other than that, you know? So, yeah. Um, But yeah, man, uh, that will definitely, that will be on my 70s list for sure. So, so dibs on, on John. No, okay. I'm <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm fucking with you. Uh, <laughs> all right. Damn. So we're at number one. Uh, this is big, even though mine is largely unranked, I realize, but, uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, Blair, go for it. Your favorite it, of the 50s. It's crazy that, like, this is we're now in number one because all of our number twos were like so strong, it could easily have been number one, right? Mm-hmm. Yep, yeah, absolutely. Um, that being said, I, I'll definitely say that this is like it is leaning more towards like favorite, not necessarily best. Because if I, if I had to like say a best, it would probably technically be 12 Angry Men. But yeah, probably. <laughs> I, but my number one for me is, um, unsurprisingly, La Strada by Frederico yeah. Fellini. <laughs> yeah, saw that coming. Yeah, that's uh, dope. I know. I talked about it a lot last um podcast episode, so I'll try not to, you know, just repeat the same things. Like once again, I just think that. Of course, Fellini did an incredible job directing like this. Um, his debut, if I'm not mistaken, this is his debut. Um, really? Wow. I, I, man, I don't want to get that wrong, but I think it is. <laughs> I'll, um, fact, I'll fact check that. Go ahead. Yeah. But uh, the two central performances of, of this film are, to me, like definitely like what, what carries it. Um, they're, they're so fucking good. Probably some of my favorite movie characters ever. Um, or characters like just in general um 
there's so much great acting in fucking um Fellini's wife's uh face I, I don't know her name I'm sorry uh she's really incredible doing a, a, an incredible amount of range in, in her facial expressions of this film and it's just one of the most watchable and enter- entertaining films from this era in my opinion like it just it never feels like it drags there's always it's just has a really tight runtime that really utilizes it well and um I, I was surprised i was surprised like just how um i don't know if bleak is the right word but definitely this film has like a kind of a dour tone like it's not not the most uh wholesome thing ever <laughs> there's a lot of i don't know like just heartbreak in this in this film in a way yeah uh but yeah i I, for some reason, it connects with me like so fucking much. I really adore La Strada. I think it's I think it's like my number five top five films ever made for me. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It's really high up there. I love this fucking film, dude. I can't A wait lot. to watch it. <laughs> yeah, I think you I think you'll love it more than at least more than eight and a half and Dolce Vita. Yeah, I, eight and a half is great. Eight. Uh, I wasn't really a fan of La Dolce Pizza, but I'm definitely, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I'm definitely looking forward to La Strada. I feel like, I feel like it is my cup of tea. So I think so too. Yeah, I'd agree. Um, that's his third feature. And and honestly, the first two movies I haven't really heard of. So you're, I feel like this you're is his breakout film, I guess. This is his big breakout film. Yeah. And I, I'm, a, I've been a little mixed on Fellini. I got to say like, I hope my keynote card doesn't get taken for this, but <laughs> I was very mixed on eight and a half, um, to be honest with you. Um, and I think that's uh, reasonable, though. I could see why somebody yeah. would be huge on that movie. Like, I appreciate that. That movie is foundational for a lot of filmmakers, and I feel like a lot of people look up to it, and I get why. Uh, I guess it just wasn't for me personally. Um, and, that, that, and like, I recognize the brilliance of that movie, but my point being is La Strada is the one Fellini movie that's really clicked with me so far. So I, I definitely agree with what you're saying. Um, like there's a personality to that movie. That's, that's really interesting and it does get really dark. Like it's, it's like super realistic in a lot of set, a lot of ways. And a lot of Fellini movies are very heightened. I feel like, and, mm-hmm. you know, especially in a half and La Dolce um, La Strada feels like his most grounded personal and just elegant movie that I've seen. So that's the word I was looking for. It's a, it's a pretty dark film, honestly. Yes. But but not like not like so crazy where it feels like a fucking Von Trier film or anything, but it, it, it kind of <laughs> has kind of has some of those elements that make sense. La, La um La Strada gives me Von Trier vibes. <laughs> Breaking the La Strada. No, it, it's definitely grounded for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. That's a great number one. I'm glad I mean, we were really covering a lot of countries here, a lot of different types of filmmakers, and you know, if we didn't yeah, it's a lot of variety. I, I'm I'm really liking it. Yeah. Um. So. Uh. Yeah, Carlos, if you want to do your last one, go for it. All right. This is my number one favorite films of the 1950s, and this film is called Sancho the Bailiff. Wow. Oh, wow. I was yeah. not expecting I didn't that. expect that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude. Sancho the Bailiff is such a moving, 
heartbreaking, emotional, and just compelling roller coaster of a movie um, that's so meaningful and impactful in so many ways. Um, I mean, from every standpoint, this film's incredible. It's beautifully directed, beautifully shot. Um, the characters and the narrative are wonderfully written. Um, and thematically, it's rich as hell. I mean, this is a film that's really difficult to watch in a lot of ways. I mean, it's quite brutal with, you know, how it depicts legalized slavery, basically. Um, and it has an incredible main character as well. I think like the arc that, it, that he goes through is, um, you know, very complex and nuanced in a way that, you know, I think the viewers will be satisfied with. Um, but yeah, um, overall, this film is quite incredible. Um, I think this is a film that not the most people have seen, but it's a film that should be on everybody's like high up on everybody's watch list. Um, yeah, just one of the most compelling pieces of Japanese cinema I've ever seen. I'm dying to give it another rewatch. I bought the Criterion not too long ago. Jen hasn't seen it. I'm going to watch it with her because she's never seen it. But um, yeah, it's a film that in pretty much every way possible just screams like masterful cinema. Um, Yeah, Um, it's 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 also like political in in different ways. Um, But yeah, um, that's my that's my favorite film from the 1950s. It's it's such a compelling film. Damn, I got to watch it. Dude. I love that film too. It's, you will it's... love that film, Eric. <laughs> you I love probably that will. Yeah, I probably will. I always, I always kind of talk about it in the same terms I do with um, fuck. I just forgot the name of it. Uh, Harakiri, um, mm-hmm. or just a, a very just emotionally draining and devastating movie, but done so beautifully. Um, and Kenjo Musaguchi is a really interesting director. So, um. Really innovative seen, director. I don't think I've seen anything else by him. Ugetsu is a masterpiece as well. I think you would very much. Dude, I want to. I want to watch that movie so bad. It, it's very good. Um, it is. It hits his movie on the uh, sign and sound list actually. So, um, by the way, um, I didn't include the like the human condition was arguably going to be number one. Oh but, yeah, but since it's just the part one, I've only seen part one and I just feel, I don't know. I feel kind of wrong, including a part one movie. that's not necessarily a complete thing, you know? So I don't know. It's kind of hard to put that. That's movie fair. In. But just know that like that's, that was the only thing holding that movie back for being basically like number one and number two, because the human condition right. is so freaking good. It's a, it's a masterpiece in my opinion. It's like a 12 hour trilogy, isn't it? Like super long. Yeah, I haven't seen the other two yet, but just the first one is so freaking good. Nice. That'll be interesting in the 90s. Like if one of us wants to put up like the three colors trilogy, you know, Mm -hmm. like picking one of those is pretty difficult or I'm sure you're not. I have one sunrise or some shit. but (laughs) (laughs) No, I definitely have one in my head, but I'll save it. Yeah, I will, too. Yeah, that's a good thing. I didn't think of trilogies. Yeah, because like Panther Panchali was also one, too. Yes, yeah, true. Like probably what I'll do is if I do watch part two and part three, I'll just I'll 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 rank it in the in the decade that it ends on. I think that'll be fair enough. That is fair. Yeah, that's a good idea. Um, re- really unexpected for some reason. I didn't think you were going to say that, but I love that's a great movie. I actually haven't thought about in a while. 
Which one? Sancho. Oh hell yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I that movie's fucking phenomenal, dude. I love that movie. <laughs> I remember I was just I was I think I was really baked when I watched it, so I was just like <laughs> an emotional wreck. Um I yeah. always like I watched that really high and then uh it was Dancer in the Dark and those movies were like Oh nice fucked me deep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, good good times of watching movies baked. Depressing yeah. movies. They're fun. Um it, all right. it just there's something about it when you're stoned, it just hits different, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. At that point, though, after Dancer in the Dark, I'm like, I shouldn't watch any more Von Trier this high. You know, it was kind of the, <laughs> was kind of the nail in the coffin, so to speak. Um, <laughs> all right. So I'll do my number one. Um, and I'll be fully honest. I had another one in mind, but I, I fully know that you guys wouldn't have been on board with it because um, I know I don't know if Blair thinks this, but I know Carlos is not a fan of musicals. Um, and I was going to say oh. Singing in the Rain. Um, but that movie is like the one of the most popular movies of all time. So I'm like, why do I need to spotlight it, that movie for? <laughs> but you um, know, granted, that is one musical that I really, really actually want to see. I it's really hard to dislike that movie. I'd be shocked if you're like, yeah. yeah I technically have seen it. I watched it one time <laughs> in like sixth grade chorus, and I remember bits of it. And the fact that I even remember bits of it in a in, in a positive way back then makes me feel like if I watched it now, I would genuinely love it. Like all of it. So that's I would one love, musical that I'm looking forward to actually. Yeah. I would love to hear what you, th- I, again, it's very hard. You'd be very cynical to be like, write it off as just another musical. I think it's, it's truly amazing. Um, but yeah, I wanted to pick something more personal again and um, not as highly praised um, that, especially by someone like Damien Chazelle, uh, <laughs> <laughs> the whole like, inspiration for his whole career is singing in the rain it feels like but side note um <laughs> my number one is me another obvious choice kind of like vertigo but i have to say it um and it's a kiru by akira kurosawa mm, yeah um I'm, what you gonna say oh i was just gonna say i'm happy that uh kurosawa is getting representation though yeah thank I god knew, yeah yeah <laughs> Arguably, I could have said Seven Samurai or Throne of Blood, but I've I've always felt that hands down, Akiru is my favorite of his films. Um, I mean, what what has it been said already? I mean, it's it's so it's like deceptively so simple, like in terms of story. It is just about a man who's diagnosed with cancer and he tries to make the most of his life um, in, the, in his final few months. Um, and it's Kurosawa is like, such a large scale, like kind of big time filmmaker at the time. And to see him kind of ramp down and, and just do such a personal, intimate story like that is just it's so incredible to me. And I think emotionally resident, even to this day, like it was just remade uh, in, into that film Living, which I haven't seen yet. Um, but that kind of just shows how much waves that this movie has made in, in, in the cinematic landscape. I feel like it's really one of the first movies you know watching classic films like pre-1970s that just felt so human human like um you know obviously you were talking about sancho that's another one um and just the humanity in the shot composition in this movie like there's the shot of him on the swings um and the camera kind of dollies like around oh, to, man. To yeah. see his face like love that scene just so one of the greatest mm. shots in cinema history maybe and- tear up man 
had a tear. It really does. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, and even like Kurosawa, the master of camera movement and framing, like, I think it's one of his best shot films up there with like ran or, uh, throne of blood like i mentioned before um but yeah like we got to represent kurosawa and i think that this is i think his most personal resident and just uh i think maybe the film that people will remember him for even more than seven samurai in my opinion because i think so many people have connected so deeply to this movie um and also the third act switch i don't want to spoil it it is so interesting it's just a crazy subversion um to what you wouldn't expect to happen um and it's it delves more into like legacy and like um what what how you will be remembered and what people mm-hmm. will remember you for and like the good and bad aspects of that um uh and yeah I, I think it's a movie that everyone can relate to and just find so much warmth and meaning and i think it's just a phenomenal film so so yeah that's my last that's my last choice uh per kicking off singing in the rain um <laughs> and i'm happy i did because i think that movie just means more to 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 cinema in certain ways and to my personal canon so yeah i'm 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 really glad you did that dude like i yeah. if i had a honestly i can't it's really hard for me to pick a favorite kurosawa but probably right now it's probably between rashomon and um um ikaru so like mm-hmm. I can't really choose between those two right now, but I'm kind of leaning more towards Ikaru because it's there's just so much emotional resonance with it. And usually I kind of favor movies that are like that. Same. But but yeah, that yeah, I'm, I'm really glad you picked that film. I it, w- it was heartbreaking not to put it on my list because I really do love it a lot. Yeah, Blair. I, have you- I've, I've I've seen Ikaru, but to be honest, I I feel like I don't remember all too much about it. Like it's, I, I don't think I was in the right state of mind to watch it. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. You but definitely okay. have to be in the more melancholic headspace. I feel like when you're going to watch that movie. Absolutely. N- not as, you know, virtually entertaining as like seven samurai or the hidden fortress. It's more, it's deeply about character and like humanity and stuff. So it's not the easiest movie to throw on, but um Sometimes it's the mark of great cinema for me, but um, yeah. Anyway, we got Kurosawa. We got some of the greatest filmmakers on our list here, so it's going to be very difficult to dwindle it down to 10. But I was thinking, I guess, let's just throw five more out there. Why not? Let's let's get some honorable mentions. You know, if you yeah, guys sure. have if you guys have two more, if not, that's OK. Um, I, have, I have so many on my list, but Carlos, I know you wanted to rattle a few off, so. Let's just yeah. add them because maybe they'll maybe they'll beat the top five that we already had. You never know. All right. So I'm not going to throw out the human condition yet because I said I said I would do that at the end of when the trilogy ends. So um, so not the human condition, but I do fucking love that movie to death. What I will say is um, if I'm only including one director still. I'll go Rashomon since you said Ikiru. Um, Rashomon. Um, is that the fifties? Let me let me double check. I think so. Yeah, nineteen fifty exactly. Okay, okay, cool. Um, God damn, seven Sam man, Kurosawa made seven some samurai. Yeah, is what I would throw out. All right, um, well, that's a Blair's list then, so we can get we could all have a Kurosawa then. <laughs> Someone needs to 
Someone needs to say uh, "Passive Glory" for fuck's sake. Just kidding. <laughs> I've never yeah, seen. I might it. say it. You never know. Um, hold on. Let me look more. You know what's a great film, but I'm not going to include it officially. Uh, Pickpocket. You know, I wasn't yeah. going to include that, but I had a brisson in my back pocket. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a great movie. Um, let's see here. What else we got? Ch-ch-ch. Um, oh damn, a man escaped is great. That was my person. <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay, if I'm gonna go official honorable mentions, I'll say a man escaped Rashomon. How many do I get? Two or three? Uh, Blair, how many do you have? I, feel I, like- I, only, I only have like one more, and I don't even necessarily think it's like one of the greatest things ever. <laughs> <laughs> It's a. Want to replace it with Seven Samurai? No, not at all. <laughs> okay, I'll cross out Seven Samurai. What's the one? Oh, I mean, I want to keep Seven Samurai, not the other one. Oh, you do? Oh, my bad. I yeah, sorry. I, I thought I it was the opposite. Communicate it well. I thought um, you were just like fuck Seven Samurai. I'm like, ooh. No, 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 no. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I think. Oh no! Oh, you know what? Oh, you know what? Never mind. I was gonna say Ace in the Hole, but I already have a Billy Wilder film. Yeah, so I'll yeah. Just say, I, I was thinking that too. I'll just say I'll just say a man escaped and uh, Rashomon. That's it. Blair, you want to go with Seven Samurai? Is yours? Yeah. What was the other one you were gonna pick? I'm just curious. <laughs> uh, Shadows by John Cassavetes. Oh yeah, that'd be interesting. I like that movie actually. That'd be yeah, interesting. It's, um, it's pretty good, but I don't. I don't think it's like you know <laughs> greatest. Right, right. It's yeah. not. And I feel like we're gonna if we're gonna talk about Cassavetes later too, so we'll get him on eventually. For um, sure. So my two, um, Carlos stole a man escaped from me, so I will oh. say no. It's <laughs> okay. Sorry. I got so many, dude. It's okay. Um, I will say on the waterfront as one of mine. Oh, I have to see that one. Um, I own the Criterion, but I haven't seen it. Oh, for real? Oh, it's... yeah. One of the greatest performances on film. Um, and the other one. Shit, I got so many. You know, fuck it. I'll say the cranes are flying. Um, oh, I really want to see that movie, dude. Okay. Is that the from the same director that made um, um uh Soy Cuba or I am Cuba? Yeah, yeah. I, I'm blinking on his name, but he did that. Uh those two films are like his most iconic, and Letters Never Sense, I heard, is also a really incredible movie. Um, real quick on the cranes are flying. It is one of the most gorgeously shot war movies of all time. Like I would, you know, I would put it up there with Paz of Glory and <clears throat> come and see um, on the technical spectrum. But yeah, it's it's an emotional, engaging, just heartbreaking experience. And it is um, probably wouldn't make my top five because just because it's so devastating and hard to watch, rewatch a lot, um, but definitely deserves a spot in the honorable mention list. It, it's, it's a masterpiece <clears throat> and also on criterion Blu-ray. If you guys want a good anti-war film to watch. Um, nice. So yeah. Um, I mean to watch that forever. Yeah, me too. It's very good. Um, all right. So here comes the tough part. Uh, we're going to, we got to dwindle it down to 10. So I feel like the best way to do this are 
start with the ones that are like for sure for sure's like ones that we all said oh yeah that's that's a masterpiece that of course it's on the list you know mm-hmm. um so mm-hmm. i was kind of keeping track in my head on the ones that we were all like unanimous about um uh i'll start with blair's like i think and please if you if you object just say but i think 400 blows should make the list because we all seen it and we all think it's a great film uh, i don't think there's any objections there so yeah that was the unanimous one that popped out to me too yeah um so that could go on the list for sure 400 blows yes absolutely right. i'll switch between us because i, I don't want to like I don't want everyone's list to be left out when we're making this. So I'm, I'll have it at number 10 for now. I don't know if, we, I don't know if we're going to rank them or anything. Um, Cause that'd be hard as fuck yeah, in the long be. run <laughs> um, from Carlos's 12 angry men is, is a unanimous. I think like, yeah. how could we object to that? I can't object. Uh, so we got, we got the numbered hey, movies on there. We got 12 I just angry realized men. I was the only one that put 12 angry men on their top five. <laughs> The, I knew somebody else would do it. Yeah, that's, that's what we said when you when you oh. said it. we both had it. I think, and then we're like, someone's gonna. Yeah, someone's definitely gonna have yeah. it. Yeah, that's got that, to it first. Then. Yeah, yeah, you were the, you were the brave one to throw it on there. Um, <laughs> with mine, definitely not Vertigo. Um, you could put that on there. No, no, no. I wanted. It's got to be democratic. I'll, I'll hold off, but I appreciate that. <laughs> I will say, I think it's a Kiru, right? Because like we all unanimously you like, I mean, Blair doesn't remember it, but I, say, I mean, it's undoubtedly like a phenomenal film. But yeah, I'd say I'd say yes to, to I'd say yes to that. to a Kiru. Yeah. Okay, okay, we were got a hot, hot start going with three great movies. Um, got seven spots left, so I'll go back to Blair's list. Uh. I mean, I, think, I want to fight for Lestrada. No, course. yeah, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Carlos hasn't seen it, so that's why I'm hesitant to throw it on there. Yeah. Oh, I but, see. Damn. I'm kind of throwing... Um, what about Honestly, Seven, Seven Seal? Would you, let me would say you rather something. Go ahead. I think all of our number one should kind of just make the list. I was kind of thinking that too, but... In my, in my opinion, you have to agree no, with you're, me. No, but... you're, totally, you're totally right. That's That's I, more than fair um okay cool you want me to just add them right now i'll just add, okay i'll yeah, add them just, all you can put lestrada yeah. on there so we got lestrada we got sancho um and we just added a cure so that's perfect actually so um back around to, oh, how many we got left we got we're in the top five now oh, um, nice. so so far i'll right. say we got 400 blows we got 12 angry men we got a kiru we got lestrada we got sancho so i think okay. we're very good so far um Seven Seal I isn't my favorite Bergman, so I just I really I, I respect it more than I like it is my my thing, and I wouldn't be mad if it's on the list. But like it's kind of where I'm at too a little bit. Like I do like that movie, but I don't even think I would put it on a top ten of 1950s. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm fine. It's not, I mean it's not even my favorite Bergman either. You know what? I take that back. I would I would put it like probably like number eight or nine or something in top 50s if i like if i we had that much space i probably would right i think it would undoubtedly make a top you know if we had more spaces um Mm -hmm. for me though with your list i would put all that heaven allows in a heartbeat but i don't know if carlos oh Oh, i would agree i I would put that above seventh seal actually oh base okay all right cool (laughs) cool 
Um, okay, back. Okay, Carlos's list now. Uh, we said Angry Men. We said Sancho. Wages of Fear. We haven't seen Sunset Boulevard. We haven't seen. So it's hard. I I, yeah. could vou- I feel like you could vouch for for Sunset Boulevard so hard though. So, yeah, I was gonna say, don't worry about the Wages of Fear. I understand y'all haven't seen it, and it's like ranked mm-hmm. number five on mine. So don't worry about it. But Sunset Boulevard, I know y'all haven't seen it, <laughs> but that shit is like, like historically imperative to like I almost put on it. I know We'd it's pretty f- iconic. We would be fraudulent if we were like, <laughs> nah. But here's the thing: you had the killing, and we all unanimously, unanimously oh, love that movie. That's so true. should we just? I mean, we we I think we're gonna have more slots to throw movies in there. So should we say the killing for now? For I don't I don't see objections to why I wouldn't be on there personally. Okay. But if you want, we can put the killing on there first, like 100, percent and then see yeah. where we're at later. With, we can see where Boulevard. we're at. Right, I'll put the yeah. killing for now because that was like a unanimous like that movie is yeah the best. Um, yeah, it's so good. So for me, it gets tough because y'all you guys didn't see Panther Panchali yet. You haven't seen Night of the Hunter. Or did one of you see it yet? I, I could be wrong. Which one? Uh, Night of the Hunter. No, I, I haven't seen either of those. Sorry. Okay, okay. No, it's all good. Um, I really want to vouch for Pather Pachali, though. I really want to vouch for that <laughs> movie. Because, like, I feel oh, like man. I'm going to love all of Ray's films at this point. And I just haven't seen them. But I have such a, I have such a good feeling that I'm going to be in love with everything that this guy makes. And, that, I, and, and I mean, Pather Pachali, even though I haven't seen it, it's undoubtedly, like, historically speaking, it is so like you know it's it's fucking timeless i know that it's it's culturally impactful to the world of cinema so i don't i don't know i agree with everything you're saying um <laughs> i've never even seen it <laughs> i know <laughs> you're like a film professor on ray and you haven't seen one movie yet yeah i know <laughs> um did i the, i would personally put good morning on but i don't know i forgot oh, i kind of forget what fine. you guys are we're saying about that film. No, I love Good Morning. I give it like a strong nine out of ten. I, I put Panther Pachali over Good Morning. <laughs> what? Which, have, you've seen Good Morning? Yeah. What the fuck? Is that <laughs> 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 oh, I just, no. Because I I like Good Morning. I'm not crazy about it. That's okay, why. Okay. Like I, I, lo- I love Good Morning personally. <laughs> if I was like in love with Good uh, Morning, then I'd be like, yeah, put it. But. Shit, I, just, man. I, I know I can almost know for a fact if I were if I were to watch uh Pether Pachali, I would like that more than Good Morning. <laughs> That's so funny. Um <laughs> I mean obviously it's in my top five. I can't argue against it. Um shit. Fuck man. I mean it's fine. If one of you I get Carlos, because if one of you guys had Knights of Kiberia, I would be like, I know I'm gonna love that, so just go ahead. <laughs> Yeah. All but... right. Fuck it. We're putting Pat. Okay. The other movies though you haven't seen either, like on the waterfront and Cranes are flying, were my honorable mentions. Yeah, Since I can't really vouch for those. That. I can't vouch for those. <laughs> All right, we'll go. Okay. Fuck it. Panther Panchali. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> I think that's definitely more fitting for a top ten though than Good Morning. Either way, that'd be. I, I literally won an argument for a movie that I haven't seen. <laughs> I know. I mean, I have no rebuts. It's in my, it's in my top five. Yeah. Um, Okay. Alrighty. So we have two spots left, and obviously you guys are going to claim those. Uh, I mean, Sunset Boulevard, man. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. If we're doing the Pet Alley, you might as well do Sunset Boulevard. (laughs) 
What? I would almost argue Manscaped over that personally, but because I've because it's I mean, just, it's a cleaner, it's kind of a cleaner sweep because we've all seen it and we all liked it, right? We've all seen that movie. Which one? A Man Escaped. Oh, I haven't seen it. Okay, never mind then. <laughs> okay, I do love a Man Escaped though. The movie's based. <laughs> it is. It's there's like no dialogue in that movie. It's fucking incredible. The sound design in that movie's like on a whole other level, especially for its time. I know. Like, do we have enough? Do we have enough? Like, technically, like technical, you know, innovative movies like that on our list? Yeah, right. Though, how many spaces we got left? We have two left, and oh, shit. What about some like a hot? We, we, we all that's like the movie. I was gonna say that for yours. I think that's like the the easy pick out of your list yeah, at this point. Because that's true. Because we already we already clocked back on Seven Seal. Mm-hmm. Um, and to be totally honest, I haven't seen Some Blanket like Hot, but I just know I'm gonna oh, love shit. it. So I will. I'll do what Carlos did with Panther Panchali. <laughs> if we're, if we're all in agreement on that. Yeah. Fuck it. Just put it on there. Okay. Okay. Okay, so the last slot. Um, let me let me see how many how much we got in terms of like equal spread on this list. So I think I blows. have the most, honestly. Yeah, we have almost all of Eric's on there. Oh shit! So Foreigner blows Twelve Angry Men, Akiru, Lestrada, Sancho, Killing, All That Heaven Allows, Panther Benchali, Some Like It Hot. Um, I think we should go over Sunset Boulevard a bit. <laughs> So we got two Billy Wilders on the top 10 list. That's kind of nuts. And look, it's if we're honestly, it's either how many of y'all have seen Rashomon? No, I've I'm seen not, it. I'm not I, seen I don't it. think I'd throw it on personally. I'd probably put Seven okay. Samurai or Throne of Blood. Okay. Uh, seven Sam- is Seven Samurai on there? It's not on our list, but I feel like Akiru just yeah, Akiru, Akiru, takes Akiru, care of it. Akiru, yeah, I, you're, right, you're right. I don't think I could put two Billy Wilders. I'm being honest. I okay, feel like, I respect but, that. Oh, but Sunset Boulevard is so much more than okay. No. I won't say anything. Well, you guys should duke <laughs> it out though, because oh, I could take some like it hot. Dude, off. I, I'm. I mean, that's fine. I'm not gonna. No, 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 no. This is this is our democratically elected list i don't want to i don't want to <laughs> no, no no i'm i'm totally fine for either one i was just trying to i didn't realize that some like it hot Blair... wasn't even originally going to be on my list i was just stupid and thought late spring was 50s <laughs> so <laughs> it was just no, that's on fair. i think we should three. kick it off then i'm sorry to do no, that but cool. i feel cool. like carlos is vouches way more for sunset boulevard for movies that we haven't seen <laughs> i just feel bad because y'all haven't seen sunset boulevard but... i haven't seen some like it hot either though but I guarantee you. Th- oh, okay, okay. That's but, I haven't seen either. But at least though, <laughs> but at least like you know, one other person has seen some like a hot me, but nobody has seen Sunset Boulevard. Right. I feel a little bad about that. No, 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 no. I no, I don't. Need, no, no, no. I'm truly fine. Blair has the most movies on here. I want to diversify it a little. Yeah. Bit. Yeah. Exactly. Um. And I, I don't. I, it's hard for me to say. Like, I want to throw one of mine on here, but I don't think. I don't think you guys will get on board for that any of them oh yeah what because night of the hunter and what else night of the hunter good morning vertigo on the waterfront the cranes are flying uh um, i mean vertigo like just you should just, you should put vertigo on there yeah, yeah just to r- well round it out yeah i'm looking at my other honorable mentions i don't think there's anything else you know uh, man escaped we already talked about 
Shit. Yeah, I mean, personally, I'll put a man escape like because if we're just talking purely personal, I would definitely put a man escape. I mean, I love Briss- I love Brisson just because of Balthazar. So <laughs> yeah, oh, I know. I'm gonna watch God that movie damn. soon, actually. Um, so it's kind of like a man escaped versus Vertigo right now, right? I guess right now we have to choose between going for, I guess, the more like culturally and historically impactful film, or just personally, which film do we just consider better? Like here's here's what I think. I think we might have to kick off the killing. <laughs> and put whoa <laughs> and put man escaped and vertigo in there what but, the fuck you say <laughs> let me read the list again like maybe there's another one other than the killing because we're gonna talk there's gonna be so many kubrick movies to come and like is this the best stanley kubrick movie i don't think so personally but, we, but we've all seen that movie we love it <laughs> i i love it it's not my it's not even in my top five kubrick's though which but is, is it, i realize is it top is like, six <laughs> no pass of glory beats it oh damn uh, i'm not oh, trying of glory on. you want to put pass of glory instead of the killing i'll be down for that really no not not even that i, I honestly just <laughs> i feel like amanda escaped and vertigo are just better movies overall but that's just me fuck <sighs> let me read them all again so we can see if there's anything else so four to blows definitely not kicking that off no. 12 angry men hell no akiru definitely not Lestrada, no Sancho, those are all number one spots. Mm-hmm. All that heaven allows could be vulnerable, actually. It's true. That could be kicked off. I don't want, I personally love that movie. The Killing, Panther Panchali, Sunset Boulevard, and we have an open slot. Um, I, I, I'm know, just, personally, I mean, if I you guys want to sacrifice all that heaven allows, <laughs> that's fine. Personally, I, I don't, I, I don't, but I know Carlos hasn't I, spoken about it, so I don't know if he's that into it. I like. I mean, I do like All I Heaven Allows, but I'll give it like an eight as opposed to like A Man Escaped. I would give that a nine. Paso Glory, a nine. Killing, a nine. Um, okay, we're definitely going to have a Kubrick movie. I won't, I won't, I won't do that to you. I'll definitely leave a Kubrick movie. Okay, I'm just saying because we were, you, you, you threw out, you're going to, you're going to kill the killing. So, <laughs> well, because. <laughs> you're, you're, you have two Kubrick movies that now that you're like saying are nines. So how can I kick one off? Okay. Um, and we, shit, man. I mean, really, how much? How much do you have? You seen all the heaven allows, Jake? Yeah, I, th- I think it's a. Ma- I think it's a ten out of ten masterpiece. Oh that's fuck. Okay, we'll just leave it on there then. <laughs> <laughs> I thought. I thought like. I don't know. I thought like you liked it, but not as much as like Eric. But no, I, I, I'm right there with him. I, I think okay. it's. It, it was just out of my top five. Let's um, just leave it on there. It deserves okay. a spot. Then we forgot about Seven Samurai. Honestly, I mean, you said you were only one Nikiru on there, so like, okay, right? Yeah, I, I feel only- like I just had to mention it because it's it's just sitting right there, and it's one of the greatest. No, but yeah. I agree. I think Akiru and Throne of Blood and even Rashomon might be a better movie. So. That's a hot steaming hot take. <laughs> I love all those. I love all those movies. They're all great. Um, Carlos, if if Cine gets wind of the fact that you want to put a Brisson film over fucking Vertigo, he's gonna he's gonna fucking kill you, dude. <laughs> he, dude he doesn't I, like Brisson. Look, they know that the the fucking Discord knows I'm not the biggest Vertigo fan, really. That's true. Yeah, but I think Blair, you have to break the tie. Would you rather have Vertigo or? Or man escaped at the top ten. Oh my god! I love both those. I think both of those deserve it. I I would just personally fight for Vertigo because if we don't have a Hitchcock movie on here, that's kind of crazy to me. But same with Brisson. But I'm thinking Brisson like Baltazar is a shoe in. 
Not to yeah. project, but I feel yeah, like yeah, I'm I'm leaning more toward vertigo because it just it would feel right if that makes sense. Yeah, unfortunately, that's kind of how I feel too. <laughs> oh, you felt that the whole time? I thought you were more. <laughs> I thought you were more. I was. No, I was the one mixed. Though. No, I mean again, that's why I said personally. Like we're just talking about personal preference. I definitely would prefer a man escape, but it just feels wrong not to have a Hitchcock movie in the '50s list. More than not including a Brisson because Hitchcock to me, I think oh. it's a little bit more influential and impactful. No, you're totally right. And I, honestly, it was mainly me having that internal struggle. I'm like, because like Man Escaped is more just fresh in my head because I saw it for the first time last year. But yeah. I think we're, I guess we'll sacrifice it. I, that's why I was saying we take out the killing uh, to put a Man Escaped, but that's just me. No, bro. No, <laughs> <laughs> no, we're not doing it. It's fine. No, the killing. I, I massively prefer. Well, I don't say I massively prefer the killing, but yeah, the killing. No, yeah, the killing is Kino. <laughs> okay. It's so good. No, I, yeah, I, I love it too. That's why I wasn't arguing too hard, but like, anyway. I know because if we kick out the killing, then we're not going to have Kubrick re- representation, which to me is worse. <laughs> My point is, we're going to have Kubrick in every decade coming as, forward. Yeah, as, pretty much. As it should. <laughs> Like literally, I would even pick '90s. I will definitely bring up a Kubrick movie. Yeah, um, same here. Jesus. Okay, let me read the ten, and then if we're all happy, we could we could cap it off. Uh, okay. So the four hundred blowjobs is our number ten. <laughs> yes. These aren't ranked. Um, Twelve Angry Men. Maybe we can rank them later for like the final list if you guys want. I don't care. Uh, Twelve Angry Men at nine. <laughs> Akiro at eight. Estrada at seven, Sancho at six. Um, those are undisputed too, because those are our number ones. So uh, all that heaven allows the killing, Panther Panchali, Sunset Boulevard, Vertigo. Uh, I feel pretty good about that, honestly. I think that's. I feel good about that too. Yeah, me too. I think that's really good. Um, Panther Panchali just feels so right in that list. I've never seen it. <laughs> <You're great. laughs> You definitely got to watch it like ASAP now. You, know, it's like your new favorite That's movie. True. <laughs> That's so funny. That um, is funny. <laughs> watch me watch, watch it and be like, "Ah, this movie's kind of mid." Yeah, it's yeah. kind of mid. I don't really like it. <laughs> Soft six. And then we have to redo the whole list because you're like, "Ah, fuck it." Holy oh shit. man, we don't have a Bergman on here, which is fine, right? Because I feel like. Later I mean, on. he'll 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 make an appearance. I think, yeah, undoubtedly, yeah. I think he'll make an appearance. And Perry's coming on the '70s episode, so that, that's going to be gonna, one hell of an episode. That's going to be insane. It's gonna, yeah. 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 Oh man, uh, it's gonna be. It's gonna. Be, I don't know how we. I can't even fit five movies in the '70s, man. Like I, I'll be real. I, I've made my entire decades list. I, I've already done it. You've done it already. Yeah, so oh, that's so, amazing. And my my seventies is looking the strongest. I'm like, damn, that's a great oh, by far. fucking decade. Jesus, by far. And you know, obviously, like nineties through the twenty tens, I've probably seen the most movies from those decades. But yeah, the same. best best movies, I think, by far, are the the seventies for me. So that's by gonna be way, a crazy episode. I might I might break my one film per filmmaker rule for the seventies. <laughs> Ooh. Francis Coppola, perhaps? No. Stanley Kubrick? Yeah. <laughs> oh, what a shot. <laughs> I know Barry. L- okay, this is like spoiling future episodes, but like Barry Lyndon's like going to be the most unanimous movie that we're going to have in the whole tournament thing. So, yeah, probably. Like that's, 
I could see, I could, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm kind of sussing Blair over there. <laughs> oh, I mean, for real? I, I think, I think it's a masterpiece. It's yeah, not, but it's not the one I'm most, I'm, it's not the most, it's not the most like enthusiastic, like film I'm, I'm for, you know? Yeah. I just see, I just gotcha. see like, if, if he had to condense it down to five, I don't, I could see Barry Lyndon missing that list with Blair's list. So I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> Interesting. It's a mystery. Well, it might be, it might be a two way like tie for the four of us. It might, people might pick clockwork and then Barry yeah. Lyndon, which I could definitely thank God in the sixties. It's very easy to pick a Kubrick movie. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, no, never mind. Never. I'm wrong. Never mind. What, 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 what does Spartacus come out? 60, but then strange love in 2001. Are in the late sixties, so oh fuck, that's Wait, gonna be a battle. Two thousand one, really? Two thousand one, sixty-eight, yeah. Oh shit, you're right. right. I mean, that's an easy choice for me, but I think other people might uh clap back. <laughs> Blair about to go and like redo his sixties list. <laughs> no, I mean, I have a thought yeah, yeah. process on it, but I don't want to say it because it's kind of spoilers. Yeah, we're, we're like... yeah we're heavily. And that's uh, rye breads on that episode too, so that'll be interesting. Oh. <laughs> that's going to be a fun episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's our next one. So. Good old rye bread. <laughs> He's going to probably have some good musicals and classic Hollywood <laughs> stuff. I know he loves that yeah, stuff. So for sure, we have to be more open to. And I, hey, I brought a sing, singing in the rain. So I mean, I kind of like pro- musicals. I'm probably going to watch Umbrellas of Sherboard right after this fucking uh, podcast. Oh, nice. Yeah, a little Jacques to me. Jacques to me vibes. Go to bed. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. Yeah. That's. I think that's pretty much it. Um, that's the, the best films of the fifties, according to us. Um, I mean, clearly, I don't think we've seen enough, but I think we've seen some of the best nineteen fifties movies, if that's fair to say. Um, I don't know, but I think that's at least that's a good way to kick off. Um, this this whole project that we're doing here. Um, and obviously if any of you guys in the comments or, or, you know, have any ideas of what should have made the list, maybe we'll do a revision, but actually fuck that. No, where this is. Sorry. No, no, I was just going to say like, no, fuck that. This is the definitive 1950s <laughs> list. Everybody's list is wrong, except for the one we just made. <laughs> this is the sight and sound of Cinebombs. Yeah. <laughs> Misfit Pond gonna be published online one day as a yeah. definitive <laughs> canon. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh thank you guys for listening to this. I hope it was interesting and informative to any of y'all out there that love classic movies and then obviously look out for 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s, 2010s. Um, whatever floats your boat more. But it, we're gonna I think it's gonna be a fun little series, honestly. Like I've never done like a reoccurring series in podcast form so i'm really hyped and again thank you guys for agreeing to do this like it's gonna be really interesting and just a fun debate every month i know i'm excited yeah this was this was a blast i can't wait to do the the rest man the rest is gonna get i think it's gonna gradually get more intense yeah because we'll have seen more films from you know each decade that proceeds (sighs) The 70s episode, I feel like it's going to be like four hours of arguments. I, just- <laughs> I know. I'm, the 70s one's going to be fucking insane. Yeah, I got some hot takes, too, for some 70s movies that are beloved. So, 
Oh fuck! I know you do. Godfather I know. Two's mid or something. No, I I know exactly what the fuck this, <laughs> this guy. This, this guy. <laughs> he knows. He knows. I know. If, it's, if you're attacking like all that jazz, I'm I'm just gonna turn off the podcast. No, I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> you know, maybe what? I should. I'll watch it before the thing. This Please isn't do. a this isn't a spoiler for for the fucking v- viewers, but it is spoiler for Carlos. I I do have that movie in my list, but. You know Hell what? Yeah. Perry is Perry might cover that. I don't know. Actually, yeah. It's like top five favorite movies for me, so I'm gonna have to tell Perry to fuck off with that because I need it. <laughs> it's gonna <laughs> it's gonna be mine, but no, no. More the more the better for that. Um, no, I can't wait for that. Uh, even the '60s is gonna be like really fascinating to go through, um, which some oh, yeah. people say is like the worst decade in film history. But no, nah, fuck no. You don't think so? I don't know. There's some bangers in the 60s. Holy shit. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think even like even some of the worst decades have great movies, but I think some people say it's like because it was like the transitional period to the 70s. So it's going to be interesting to to go through that. The worst, the worst, the worst, the worst decade for film was 1900 before film was made. (laughs) The Wright brothers. (laughs) Oh man, what if we did the, a top ten of like the twenties and it's just like DW Griffith and <laughs> shit like that? Oh shit. The Buster 1890s. Keaton. <laughs> yeah, that was the worst. That that was the worst decade for cinema. <laughs> Train rolling into the station is certified yeah. Kino, dude. No, that was boring. <laughs> I fell asleep multiple times watching that. Would See not it recommend. It's just a fucking train. <laughs> Yeah, there's been way better train content <laughs> to come up after that, to be honest. Anyway, yeah, do you guys do you guys have anything you want to plug to to the people out there? Anything you want to tease? Honestly, not really. I'm just uh, I'm, I'm just going I'm just going through the motions on my channel right now, really. So I guess <laughs> follow me on Letterboxd, which is um melancholia underscore. I want to change my username, but I can't, so whatever. Is that in reference to Von Trier's? Yeah. I, I don't know why the fuck I chose that, but I did. So I'm stuck with it. <laughs> it's a great movie. Oh, I love the movie for sure. Might be on the 2010s. Holy perhaps. Yeah, anyway. I mean, I'll just say subscribe to my channel. Yeah. Um, the Misfit Pond. Follow me on Letterboxd, The Misfit Pond. And uh, for $5 a month on Patreon, you can join the Discord. <laughs> and that's about Hell it. Yeah. <laughs> That is it. Thank you guys so much again. Thank you for everyone listening. Um, quick plug. Um, actually, it might be too early to say this, but I'll say one thing. We have a website that's up and running now, and we are going to have people writing some blogs and some some movie reviews on there. We're going to have all our content on there. We're going to have some fun little new ideas. So go to the Cinebombs website. I'll link it in this video. Um, and yeah. Thank you, look at, thank you guys so much and look out for future content and this best of decades series. Thank y'all. Thank I you, everybody. Thanks, everybody.